Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I'm your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. And uh, happy 4th of July, everybody. Yeah, wow. Well, for the people who actually listen to our podcast the day it comes out. Everybody. For everybody else, we're shaming you because you know if it's not the 4th of July, you're not loyal Oh. To the Laser Graves family. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Sometimes I don't listen to them for a little while. <laughs> I like the, the two people that did listen are like, sweet. Yes, we got it. We're Patriotism. Uh, no, it is. It's 4th of July. It's been tricky. This episode's a little later than normal because we can't, we always record at night. Mm-hmm. And every single night for like the last four nights in a row, it's just been fireworks nonstop. Yeah. I hate this holiday now, by the way. <laughs> we like, do. Now that I'm older, I despise it. Well, we also live in New Mexico, and the culture around fireworks here is super different than when we were living in northern states. Like, they would just have a fireworks display. Maybe a few people would set off fireworks. But here, it's like every house on our block buys, you know, $1,000 worth of fireworks and shoots them off in the street. And I heard fireworks going off. I got up to let a dog out at one in the morning. And I heard fireworks in the distance still going off. Yeah, I mean, it is in the morning right now. (laughs) And we just heard some going off. Like, dude, like get a life already. Anyway, so I can't wait for this day to be over. But happy 4th of July, America. (laughs) Um, oh gosh. I hope everybody is doing well. If this is your first time listening, we are a podcast about the 80s and 80s related stuff. And if you're returning, thank you. Um, I've tried to get Mariah, you, to mm-hmm. introduce an episode once or twice. And you go, okay. And then when I turn over the mic, you look at me like a deer in headlights and panic. Yeah. When all you have to do is just say what we're discussing this week. So. That makes it extra special because <laughs> I had a plan for this episode and then you got a bright idea and said, no, no, I'm going to do something. You're not going to know what it is until we hit record. And here we are. How stressed are you? I'm not stressed. It's just that I'm the one that's usually responsible for like getting everything in order and structuring everything. So this is me trying out my new cool <laughs> zen. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll see. Would you describe yourself as type A? That's tricky. I would say I'm extremely organized mm-hmm. and I'm very neurotic when it comes to research and stuff. But as far as being concerned about anything else around me, I'm not. I The house could be on fire and I'd be like, yeah, well, anyway. I just, so I think it's tricky because... I think uh, on the surface, I would be described as type A if you were around me, say, in a working environment. Mm-hmm. But on a personal level, I think I'm pretty checked out and pretty laid back on pretty much everything. Okay. Okay. What would you say? I wouldn't say you're neurotic. I think you're thorough. Neurotic has a negative connotation, but oh, I think that's you're sweet. thorough. <laughs> Although I, I do see you sweating a little about how this is going to go, and I'm not going to introduce it. We're just going to dive in when we're ready. Well, you did this thing where you said, I said, well, I don't even know what we're doing. And you said, you just need to be on. <laughs> like, who just tells be, somebody that? Just be really funny. I mean, that was going to happen naturally. <laughs> 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 You know, uh-huh. as I've been saying since uh, second grade, yeah, when I was at my desk, 
I do stand-up comedy sitting down. Oh, good grief. Wow. <laughs> Bring in the A game. Let me know when you're going to turn it on, and then we'll get started. <laughs> I'll warm it up. I'll get, get some more coffee. So, okay, what are we doing this week? Right, let's... Let's have the grand reveal, the magic trick. No, it's not a reveal yet. But first, let me say why. Why are we doing this? Because you went to a concert. We procrastinated because that's how we do things. That's our style. Every single week we say we're going to record ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And every single week we put it off to the last minute. It's great. It really is effective for us. And it's happening again. (laughs) Except for this time we forgot you had a concert on the night that we would normally go and record. So I took it upon myself. To write up my notes and research while watching the Dawn of the Dead remake, so... Oh, interesting. How did it hold up? Eh. You know, that's for me, too. We saw it in the theater when it came out. And the one thing I'll always remember is the opening was really cool. Like, I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, what a great opening shot. And and then I liked it okay. I mean, it's hard because Dawn of the Dead, the original, is, like, very precious. And I, I thought, okay, I get it. Maybe I was a little underwhelmed because 28 Days Later had just come out, mm. you know, before that. And I thought, now this is a modern interpretation yeah. of the zombie genre. But I still somewhat enjoyed it. I, um, I couldn't handle the... What's that band? The... Mm. Is it Stained? No, it's... Um, Cradle of Filth. It's not Cradle of Filth. It's... Uh, <laughs> What's the the waka gaga guy? Oh, I don't know. Disturbed, disturbed. Okay. I think it's disturbed. Yeah, that whole sequence in the movie. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm watching a hot topic movie right now. But other than that, I remember liking it. And then when we rewatched it, you know, a couple years later, remember not being quite as impressed. And then I feel like each time we've tried to rewatch it since. I like it less and less. Yep, that's why I was able to take notes this time. Like I watched the opening part. That's really good. That's a great movie. And then basically after they get to the mall, it just goes downhill steadily. Yeah, if you like the film, sorry, but I think what lost me on that one, if I remember correctly, was the baby. I think that I was just Yeah. It was a little too much for me. It was just dumb. And it's so I think CGI. it started out being a pretty cool solid zombie film. And then mm-hmm. by the end it was it just kind of gone off the rails. Yeah, but don't worry. We're not even talking about zombies today. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My notes are totally unrelated. <laughs> what were you taking notes on while watching the Ton of the Dead remake? Okay, so our story begins May 21st, 1952. Have you figured it out yet? No. Oh, is haven't. it a person? Right here in these United States, a baby boy named Lawrence, was born in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. It's the story of Gruff McGruff the Crime Dog. No, it's not. Another podcast recently did it, and I got so upset. Okay. I was like, that is our territory, but they did it. So we're out of luck there. I had to do somebody else from Chicago. Okay. (laughs) So young Lawrence was actually the youngest son born to a minister named Nathaniel Turod or Turod. I'm not really sure. I've heard it both ways. So what I got right now is a guy named Lawrence Mm -hmm. born in 1952 in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Lawrence had four sisters and seven brothers. Oh, boy. Yep. His father being a stand-up minister, left the family when uh, Lawrence was only five. (laughs) Like you do. And he grew up with all of these siblings in a three-bedroom apartment. Okay. So it's really... 52? Yeah. 
So we're getting into the 60s. I feel like this would be... Somebody who's going to be in their prime in the 80s. An actor. A little bit. Okay. So... A little bit. Well, we've got some acting. Okay, (laughs) let's keep going. But Lawrence will never fully describe himself as an actor. (laughs) Okay. Okay. In high school, he really found his footing as an athlete. Lawrence was involved in the martial arts. Okay. I don't know why it's the the martial arts. But <laughs> like the... Like all of them. All I don't of them know which ones. Together. And football. The, did you find this on the Google? On several of the Google searches that I did, yes. Okay. Martial arts, football. And wrestling. And... Oh, so it's a jock. He's oh, bodybuilder. very active. He was such a good wrestler that he was a citywide champion two years in a row. And that's Chicago. So he must have been really good. He was brawling on the streets. He was good. He was good. He was also such a good football player that he won a college football scholarship and went to the college to study mathematics. So, Like all football players do. He sounds like he's doing great. Okay. But actually, after the first year, he was expelled from college. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, His used car salesman dreams are dashed. I'm not really sure what he was expelled for, but life took a different trajectory for our sweet Lawrence. Okay. He took a government job as a gym teacher and then later enlisted in the Army in 1975. What? Oh my god, this is driving me crazy. I feel like everybody else has figured it out by now. I don't know. So he became a military police MP. Okay, this is starting to sound a little familiar now. He served until he was discharged at the end of the decade. So we're getting towards the 80s now. From there, he tried out for the Packers. Okay. But he had a knee injury and that prevented him from going pro. Okay, I know. Now I'm starting to feel like I know this story. Oh, who is it? Okay. All this right. this next little update might might clue you in. It might not. It might take a while. Okay. So after that, he's discharged. Can't become a professional football player. Right. What are you going to do? He took a position as a bouncer at a nightclub called Dingbat's Discotheque. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. That's a cool name. I know. That's why I included it. I was like, can I go there? Sounds really rad. Growing up as a young black man, he really felt the weight of discrimination. And it was prime time for that. And he specifically honed in on the fact that so many young black men were called boy. As an adult, that really did not sit well with him, the being called boy, because he's not a boy. And he (laughs) realizes it's like a racist thing. Okay. So he changed his first name to Lawrence Tarot. So he's distancing himself from his father's last name, shortening the last name. He still wanted to be given respect as a man, as the man he had become. Okay. He wanted his name to reflect that. And he decided to gift himself with an entirely new name, one that demanded respect right from the start and would forever remove the detested word boy. Okay. He renamed himself... Mr. T. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Awesome! So he gave himself those names so that everyone who had addressed him would first call him the respectful title of Mr. Oh, man. I pity the fool who didn't figure that out before me. (laughs) Oh, awesome! Yay! Okay, wow, that was a long lead up. I know. You could have condensed that into about two minutes. I didn't want to. 
That was suspenseful. I know. My Felt heart. like I was failing a test the whole time. Oh, you weren't. That was really tricky. Yeah. Really I'm, tricky. I've lost a lot of confidence in myself now. Let's build you back up. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> this episode is going to be gold. <laughs> well, for part of it. Right. I would say he likens himself to be an actor. Well, he actually says not so much. Okay. He does act, though. Oh. Kind, kind of. He was a good friend to... Uh, Nancy Reagan. Yes. <laughs> all right. So. All right. All right. Mariah doing the heavy lifting on this one. We're doing this thing. Now, before I continue, I would like some of your impressions from childhood. And uh, Mr. I want you T? To, yeah. Like thoughts, memories, feelings about Mr. T. I loved Mr. T. First, well, f- a couple things. Wrestling, but also I was a huge A-team fan. Mm-hmm. So he was too cool for school. I was absolutely one of those cliche boys in the 80s who would put as much fake gold jewelry around my neck to try and like act like Mr. T when we were playing and stuff with my friends. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Why would you not? I had a kit that I bought. Well, I didn't buy, obviously. I was a child. But my parents found it. It was like one of those dollar store packages. Uh But it was Mr. T's jewelry and it was just you know maybe four or five plastic gold (laughs) chains and i thought it was so cool and if i remember correctly i could be mistaken this was a long long time ago i think it even came with a plastic gold ring oh my god that had some insignia on it like mr t or something like that that's pretty cool i yeah i love you probably looked really cool oh i'm for sure skinny white kid going a pity the fool (laughs) yeah that was that's the 80s right there what about you what was Uh, your impression mr I don't know where I first heard of him, but I think it was probably through cartoons because he did so many little appearances. Mm -hmm, There's his cartoon show, which we'll get to in a bit. But his character was on so many like random cartoons throughout the 80s. Uh, He was so active. And I remember even like begging for the cereal and stuff. He had Mr. T cereal. Yeah, he was just this phenomenon he was he was definitely a pop culture phenomenon for a period of time there yes yeah no i that's fun this is gonna be a lot of fun i love mr t great so let's at least i hope i do i don't know has he been canceled i didn't find anything and then i i did like quick was mr t canceled and i didn't i didn't find anything (laughs) i I guess as podcasters every podcast is probably gonna relate to this if you're listening oh gosh you have to be so mindful who you endorse now because you don't want to be that person who then later finds out they're like a pedo that's doing prison time right now absolutely and then there's that like tightrope walk like maybe they just just had different political views that they were super vocal about later in their career and then they died so you're like well i'm not aligned with their political views and now they're dead so i can't say mean things about them i think you can be a little more forgiving with that that's, you know, what, even, that's what we did with chrissy alley last episode. that's true yeah we were we were more forgiving <laughs> we're like well she's dead <laughs> these, these can't get more scandalous so they're just stopped okay all okay. right so to your knowledge he's still good i don't know i mean probably I think so. It seems like, like it. a pretty cool dude. It seems like it. All right, back to Dingbat's discotheque. <laughs> right. I, I really have to enunciate. Wait, did he have the haircut at this point? We'll get to the haircut. Okay, awesome. Man, you're just, you're prepared. I am, kind of. Mr. T was working as a bouncer, and he started picking up gold jewelry that was left behind after closing, because, you know, some drunk person would lose their little gold chain. Also, after fights, uh, as he was bouncing. 
Wait, you're telling the origin story? Of the gold. Whoa, Here I was not prepared for this. I've got actually the full life sequence of the golds. Okay, so he's a bouncer and he's picking up jewelry off the ground. Yeah, like that falls off when he's throwing somebody out. He gets into a lot, a lot of fights as a bouncer. Sure. And then just drunk people after closing, they pick it up. So he just starts wearing them and layering them. And he started his little collection on his own body. So it became kind of his signature look. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. It makes sense. It wasn't just one day. He's like, I wear a hundred pounds of gold now. So it's like war trophies. Yeah. You're like, do you remember that guy who we spotted? He was an old Vietnam vet, that biker who looked hard as hell. Like that dude looked like he straight up murdered people. And he used to drive around town on his Harley with a, a... crusted actual human finger around his neck we're not sure no that was a human finger it was was it his own though i don't think it was his it was probably his buddies that he lost in nom but he had it on a chain around his neck and it looked like a mummified finger and that guy looked legit yeah he was so it's like this but instead of a bunch of human fingers it's gold chains yeah exactly okay i just needed to relate more hygienic for sure (laughs) sure (laughs) he also adopted his signature hairstyle around this time so his look is beginning to coalesce here so he's putting it all together yeah so he was inspired by the mendico warriors he saw them in a magazine like a national geographic or something and it sort of reflected his african heritage okay i don't know that he's actually related to the tribe but he he felt it with the hairstyle and so he started doing it do you know how tall he is no i should start looking up everybody's height yeah so you don't have all the answers is what you're saying. I asked at, at Trader Joe's last night, I asked the checkout lady because she's taller than me and I'm super tall. Uh-huh. And I was just like in awe of the fact that she was taller. I said, I don't usually feel short around women. How tall are you? <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah. Well, I'm on this thing. And she was only a half inch taller than me. But okay. still... It was, she was like standing on a thing, but it was weird. Okay. Anyway, I want to ask everybody their height now. Okay, well, you, you do that. Okay, so apparently he fought and won a lot as a bouncer, and there were many lawsuits because of this, and he fought those in court. Okay. <laughs> Not physically, and he won them all. So he was in the right, just fighting his way, bouncing through dingbats to his good Sure, yeah. Drunk people picking fights with bouncers is never going to end well for no, them. No, no, it's not. And it didn't. So from here, he started gaining like popularity because he had a very specific look and he was pretty high profile and he started getting jobs as a bodyguard okay so moving away from bouncing to guarding and this escalated very quickly for him he started being a bodyguard for people like michael jackson diana ross muhammad ali so, wow. And many, many more. So bodyguard to the stars. <laughs> yes, exactly. A real Kevin Costner. Yeah. And also he... <laughs> <laughs> took a minute. To... I'm like, yes. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Wow, okay. that's interesting. He worked as well. I bet that was good paying gigs. Yeah, he was doing all right. And also Muhammad Ali was one of his idols. So it was pretty pretty cool for him to also be his bodyguard did you come across because this has always been a question of mine oh no did they ever weigh how much his jewelry 
No, was? no. I thought you were gonna ask me how much he weighed. No, I don't know because I think it was ever changing. Okay. I, I would, assume as much. There's got to be a hefty amount around that neck every day. Yeah, that's why his neck's so thick. That's Holding true. Up all yeah. that gold. Buff. And then when he takes it off, he walks like with a slight lean backwards. Oh, he just takes it off and falls <laughs> over and like does a somersault. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so with his big jobs and obviously big looks, he started to really draw attention to himself, which is pretty spectacular considering that he was alongside huge stars of yeah. the time. He made his television debut on a show about tough bouncers. The name was stupid and it changed a couple times, so I didn't write it down. But it was basically like pitting bouncers against each other to see who was the toughest. Was it bouncing and pouncing? (laughs) Yes. Okay, cool. No. It was like a three-part show and, you know, they had different physical challenges and he placed okay But it was really the final challenge that he went out. It was just a boxing match. And he very much dominated that area. He did very well. He was in this twice, this show. And uh, both times he dominated so hard that he won in less than a minute. I could see how his career would grow very quickly. Because not only is he a presence physically, like when you see him... He's obviously you want to pay attention to him, Mm -hmm. but he's got such a magnetic personality, too, that he's kind of primed to be a celebrity. Yeah, he's He's got got, he's got all the makings of it. He's got the it factor, kid. Yeah. All right. So Sylvester. It factor with a capital T. Oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I'm streets ahead on you today. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. (sighs) Wow. I'm just going to take a deep breath there and. (sighs) All right. Cleansing. Sylvester Stallone happened to catch one of these shows, saw him and cast him for a few lines in Rocky three. Yeah. So this was big, but I guess he was so impressed that he ended up casting him as Clubber Lang. Yeah. Which was more than a few lines. This is his break, right? Yes. This is his big time shot. And he delivered the line that would become his catchphrase, I pity the fool. Yeah. But interestingly, this line was developed from an interview he had done as himself when they were asking him about the final fight for this bouncer thing. And he said he feels real sorry for whoever has to go up against him. So it's just a... A little finessing of phrasing there, but it was essentially his idea. I feel bad for whoever has to fight me. Yeah, it's interesting. His, the way he speaks, even when you just hear him in interviews in the past that I've heard, you know, boxers in general always talk a lot of smack, but wrestlers have a very special way of of talking. And I feel like he was doing that naturally. Like mm-hmm. He has that wrestler attitude. Yeah, he where does. Where he talks and he just... He talks a lot of smack to people, but he does it in such a clever and amusing way mm-hmm. that it's it's just fascinating to me to see somebody design like a brand in real time. Yeah. He's basically creating himself into an action figure. It's shocking. Like he's got the the hair, the look. I mean, you can draw him with a few lines and know exactly who it is. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, now he's giving himself a catchphrase like, did I do that? (laughs) It's it's so amazing. It's really like... Your face while you did that, you looked right into my eyes. Well, I had to get into the Urkel. 
<laughs> impressions aren't easy. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for, for other that. people. Yeah, you're real good. Yeah. Good job. But you're right. And I think one of the other special gifts he has is that he's likable and kind of wholesome somehow. And we see that developing as we move along. But there is this, like, tough edge, but only for those who deserve it. I think the reason why my impressions of him growing up were that he was, like, a good guy. He felt mm-hmm. like a superhero. Not like a superhero, but like a defender of of the downtrodden or something. Yeah. He didn't seem like a villain. And I think because of that, it's, as we discussed in a previous episode, that we had a lot of fun with the Say No to Drugs campaign. Mm-hmm. Because he got roped into that. Yeah, he did. I remember seeing him being kind of one of the spokespeople for not doing drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it went hand in hand where you see this really tough exterior, but you see him stepping up and trying to, you know, keep people on the right path. Mm -hmm. So I think that did him a lot of good considering the time in which he was famous um, I could see it opening a lot more opportunities because he was more inviting and not quite so intimidating that way. Yeah, it made him incredibly marketable, as yeah. you'll see. And after this role uh, as Clever Lang, he really parlayed his fame into some film and TV work, just doing all these weird little things. And I can't go into it all because he is so prolific during the 80s. But he eventually landed his big role on the A-Team here. Yeah, of course. The A-Team. I loved the A-Team. I had, I don't even know how I got it because I didn't get a lot of toys when I grew up. But Uh somehow I must have weaseled it from a neighbor kid or something Uh like in a trade. I've been doing trades my whole life. You have. Uh, Well, that's when you don't have a lot of money growing up, you, that's a, a way to get toys is, Neighborhood kids get bored with the toys they do have because a lot of times we didn't ask for them. You know, like grandparents give you a toy and it might be a decent toy, but it's not Not something you're into. And then you go to your neighborhood friend's house and they have a cool toy. But somehow I ended up with the A-Team van, the the actual black van. And that was like one of my prized possessions. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. So he... Probably where my love of vans came from now oh, that I'm thinking yeah. about it. We had a van. We've, I'm sure we've talked about it here. We did. Let's Find not the episode. It's going to make me sad. Okay. We can't talk about our van. We keep looking at vans on Facebook Marketplace. I know. I'm like, do I want a vehicle that gets eight miles to the gallon? <laughs> <laughs> no. The answer is yes. Okay. So Mr. T was playing the character Sergeant Bosco. The show was a big old success. He was earning eight ton of money an absolute ton of money he was working or working so much that he was making eighty thousand dollars a week just from the show jeez and i did the maths and i know how much that was approximately by this day's money it's like a quarter of a million really yes a week do you know if everybody from from the a-team was getting that no there was some hints that there was like bad blood and stuff and i don't know if that had anything to do with it but then they also refute it so i couldn't really confirm anything but i could see why too i mean he really was the face of it even though i mean face that's funny that was an inside joke for you a-team fans but anyway i i could see though how he was the most recognizable and most marketable so definitely the most he marketable. was definitely their biggest asset i would say well, would make sense. I wouldn't be surprised if the pay discrepancy was there. I don't want to get into that. There's like a whole thing about people having problems, and I just don't care. So okay. I, I skipped yeah, sure. past that. 
No drama on this I don't want it. Save you the drama for Mr. T's mama. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay, so he was doing something kind of crazy because he was playing a character, but everyone knew who Mr. T was, and mm-hmm. he was crazy famous. And he began, as I mentioned, to appear as himself, not as his character, on other shows. Like, he was on Different Strokes, which was, was huge he at the Was he Punky Brewster? Probably. I feel like he was on one of those shows, too. He was on just so many. That's yeah. so, so many. I looked at the list and I was like, well, I'm not going to recite this whole yeah, list. Yeah, that would get boring fast. Yeah. So he appeared on him as himself on other shows like Different Strokes, but he also had a cartoon made about him. It was called, wait for it, Mr. T. That's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he played himself as a gym owner. Huh. Who led a crew of kids to fight crime. Did you watch this? Yeah, I now remember. Yeah, definitely. Well, well I didn't see it regularly, but I, I definitely have seen pretty, a couple episodes. Yeah. I watched it. Like all good 80s shows, it had a moral lesson. Yeah, I love that at the end. That's what I remember. He would put his hands like on his hips. Yeah. And give a moral lesson at the end. Yeah, he'd do like an intro and an outro. Yes. Kind of like introducing the theme and then wrapping it up for you so you knew what yeah. you were supposed to take away. Why don't we do that anymore? I really want to be preached to at the beginning and end of my cartoons. <laughs> They're so fun. Wasn't that a weird trend? It was. That's what I loved about He-Man. It cracked me up that you always got the moral at the end. Yeah. What to do. The moral of the story. But like you, you were too stupid to figure it out by watching the thing. They yeah. had to just tell it to your face at the end. And so that's what he did. He also got the lead role in the second movie directed by Joel Schumacher, DC Cab. Oh, yeah. Duh. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I had it. I had a pretty cool MCA copy on tape for a while. I must have given that to somebody. Oh, weird. Yeah. I I haven't seen it. So the film had Gary Busey and a Baldwin, a bunch of like 80s comedians, singers and bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. It did kind of okay, but it wasn't really like a big success. And it didn't seem to matter (laughs) anyway, because he just went back to work. He kept working. He acted in more films, more television. And this is only 1984. He released (laughs) Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. (laughs) And it was like a, it was well-intentioned. It's for kids. Mm -hmm. And it was like him giving advice, singing, and rapping. Yeah. Have you? No, I don't think I've ever heard that. But it sounds amazing. It sounds very 1984. Yeah, I saw some clips. It was well-intentioned and earnest, but it's funny. Uh He sings uh, Treat Treat your mother right, <laughs> and then treat her right. Okay. And uh-huh. I have this week's fun fact. Oh, nice. I feel like this whole episode was a fun fact. Basically. So the fun fact is the raps in the film were written by Ice-T. What? <laughs> hell i know this is so random weird now i don't want you to think that mr t stopped rapping with just this little motivational movie he also released an album called mr t's commandments which was released by columbia records okay and then the soundtrack to that film was released as an album wow but he was really very committed to helping children and you have to think like he had worked with children at the gym and it had just been kind of an ongoing theme i think he was really you know he came from a poor background in uh in chicago and he probably just 
felt like that was his job or his responsibility. He'd found all this success and he was using his success in the way that he thought was helpful. He's also very religious. So he he was taking that stance. He was particularly focused on inspiring at-risk youth. And he's still very, very outspoken as a Christian. And as we said previously, he was friendly with Nancy Reagan. So he does definitely strike me as a after school, Mm -hmm. like, um, what are they called? Youth minister. Yeah. He he has that vibe to him. Totally. Like he's going to sit kids down and try and scare them straight to to, (laughs) do the right thing. (laughs) He he definitely feels that way. It's so 1985 is where we're at. Okay. Wow. We're halfway through. Mr. T became Hulk Hogan's tag team partner. Yes, he did. For WWF's WrestleMania. I think there was actually a bit of bad blood around this as other wrestlers were kind of annoyed that he just got to come in at the top. Sure. They had been working their whole life uh, or their whole adult career to get to this point. Sure. And And this is still pretty early on in the WWF's history. So... A lot of these people, you know, if you want to really know about this stuff, go talk to Mike and Grizz over Bad Taste because they're like diehard. Mike is like the walking encyclopedia of wrestling. So I'm not going to get into that. But a lot of these guys came out of the territorial wrestling days and, you know, WWF had formed and brought all these guys together. So there's a lot of egos coming from all over to form this in this one group. So the idea of an outsider coming in and just working his way right up to the top, I could mm-hmm. easily see how this would piss a lot of people off. Yeah. So regardless of this, he was like a special character as a, like a boxer for the WWF. I'm not really sure how that worked. And quite frankly, I'm afraid to get into it because there are so many really passionate people in the wrestling world. And I feel (laughs) like they've gone to the ring and peed on all four corners and I'm not allowed in. So we'll just let that be. We don't want to upset the wrestling people. It's passionate folk who are doing their thing so they can tell you all about it. I'm sure. Just the statistic nerdy wrestling people... Sorry, Mike, but it's true. Wrestling people are like Star Wars people. Like, they know everything. everything. I loved wrestling growing up. I went Mm -hmm. to wrestling. I was obsessed with Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, and um, Undertaker. You know, all those. That's my prime was 90 to 92 or so. I Mm -hmm. loved wrestling. But I didn't know all the facts. And when you talk to an actual wrestling person, like a scholar, mm-hmm. you are not prepared no. to keep up at all. You just go, cool, yeah, I like that guy. And that's all you can basically do. Yeah. Very similar to like a Lord of the Rings or, or a Star Wars person. Or like the baseball people who know the yeah, weird stati- scores exactly, from yeah. 74. But what's different about baseball people are they know the stats of like batting averages and stuff wrestling people know the actual stories of these guys Mm -hmm. and their personalities and all the in behind the scenes stuff and which is deeply deeply fascinating if you watch any documentaries on wrestling it is an amazing (laughs) gem to go down but don't bring it up with an actual wrestling fan or you will be shut down you will and we're just gonna Tiptoe through the tulips here. I will say in 1989, he went on the World Class Championship Wrestling or WCCW. Mm-hmm. And he has also just done kind of random appearance appearances over the decades, appearing on and 
You can do what you will with this information. WCW, WWF, and WWE. Uh-huh. And that's all I'm going to say on that. All right. In the 90s, Mr. T began dealing with health issues, which greatly impacted his ability to work. So through the 80s, he was just doing it all, just going Why hard. did he have health? Was it like steroids or something? No, I no. I don't know what that would have been. In 1995, he was diagnosed with cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. Or, T-cell? Mm-hmm. Hold oh. on. He's made a joke. <laughs> okay. Or mycosis fungoidis. Probably Wait, he's said that right. Making the joke that I was gonna make. He joked that it was like a personalized cancer because <laughs> oh, of the no. tea. Okay, that I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Since then, he has parlayed his career into cameos, voiceovers, uh-huh. endorsements, and commercials. Yeah. So that's him slowing down because he's very sick. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was everywhere and yeah. took advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, he banked it. He did a voice uh, in the night, or maybe it was 2000s, for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. He was a beloved character. Really? That was a good movie. I like that one. He did a home improvement series (laughs) called I Pity the Tool. (laughs) What? (laughs) But I'm so bummed. It only aired one episode. I read that and I was like, where is it? Where is it? I got to watch it. But it was only one episode. I Pity the Tool? I know. Wow. I know. Was it him like shaming people who don't know how to use power equipment? Um, I think it was just like like an HGTV style okay. home improvement show. That's pretty clever. He also went on Dancing with the Stars. What? I have not kept up with anything after the 80s for Mr. T, so this is all news to me. He didn't do great. He finished yeah. in 10th place. Oh, well. <laughs> He's done commercials for... Like contemporary commercials for World of Warcraft. You probably remember Radio Shack commercials because he did a bunch of those Mm -hmm. in like the mid 2000s, I think. Uh, Comcast, Snickers, and Hitachi. So So he's he's still going. Still going. He sold the Flavor Wave oven too. He did those infomercials. (laughs) Like George Foreman's Grill and Chuck Norris with the Total Gym. Yeah, you got to have your thing that you sell. So he did Flavor Wave. He also, and this is pretty smart, he he was a spokesperson for for a gold buying company whose name I forgot. I remember that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's probably the thing that I remember most recently about him was doing the gold infomercial things the commercials yeah that's funny yeah so interestingly though and this is where we are going to kind of begin to wrap it up in 2005 after hurricane katrina he was involved with helping up in recovery after that he decided he had to stop wearing gold because he realized that it was flaunting his wealth where others were suffering so he stopped wearing all the gold Wow. And every single rapper followed suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow, that's interesting. Did you ever come across what the whole relationship was with Nancy Reagan? No, he was just involved in like, it was just... Because it's pu- weird. Public. There's like a famous photo of her sitting on his lap and stuff. Well, he was, he was uh, Santa Claus. That's right. Yeah. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird story. They weren't like actually friends. They didn't hang out. It was just a photo op. I could see though with the Christian background, kind of similar moral values that um, they would find each other eventually to do a moral crusade of helping the you know not corrupt the the youth of America. Yeah, it was the eighties, and you know he 
he didn't have a higher level of education. So he was just going with what he was being told. And the facts were drugs are bad universally. And, you know, it was just kind of a, a strange time. Everybody bought into it and he was no different than the rest of us. So... Yeah, really fascinating personality for the mm-hmm. 80s. One of those pop cultures. You know the that poster that's in the diner of like James Dean and Marilyn Monroe and Elvis all mm-hmm. having a cup of coffee? Yeah. I feel like if there was an 80s one, Mr. T would be in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd have to be, wouldn't he? Because he's one of those. It would be like Madonna and Michael Jackson and Mr. T. Like there's... Totally. He's one of the those characters that comes right to the top of very quickly recognizable and identifiable and because he was in film and he was in wrestling and he was doing you know music and cartoons and tv mm-hmm. he really was being exposed to everybody being able to see who he was and what he looked like it wasn't like he was only in one area yeah there were a lot of generations gaining exposure and even over decades people still recognize him yeah and so and he immediately stood out from everybody so it was very easy to remember his face and so i could see why he he had so much success yeah and he's he's still around still doing endorsements but you know he's an older man now too he has a family one of his daughters is a comedian and he's just kind of living his life like like any great 80s hero. Yeah, you know, that's Winding fun. it down. I'm really glad that you brought him up. We had d- talked about him a while back. You know, maybe doing a, a episode on him, and then it's just one that we just hadn't gotten to yet. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun, because I don't know his story at all. I just know him as a kid, like every other kid my age, you know, in the 80s. Is, oh, that dude's cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's really fun to learn how his career got started, where it took him, and where he's at now. Yeah. In a nice little bow. We didn't obviously we could have gotten way into the weeds with some of these areas that he was in, but I don't think that that's really the no. point. Yeah. Just get the gist and you're good to go. Yeah. Now you know. Go watch some A team. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for doing that. Um I definitely didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I mean it makes perfect sense, obviously, but I I was pleasantly surprised. Yay! Because I wasn't sure what we were going to be discussing today, <laughs> but I love love the idea of talking about Mr. T. Great. Okay, well, everybody, that was a fun episode. Um, we'll be doing that every single time now. Mariah's <laughs> doing all the research, and I get to just sit around having coffee and reacting. Yeah, right. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us at lasergraves.com or on Instagram at lasergraves. You can rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that. Go check out our friends that are podcasting. We'll share what they're doing in our stories on Instagram. And uh, you'll join us again in two weeks. We'll see what we're doing. We're trying to map out, like we said last time, we have these grand visions of us being organized on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we keep failing miserably. I think you are capable of organization, but I'm an element of chaos. I'm going to do it. I am going to create a schedule for us. And we're going to be on the ball. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then this time, two weeks from now, when we're scrambling to record, (laughs) I'll say the same thing again like I do every time. Okay. Okay, everybody. Well, that is it for us. We hope you enjoyed this look at Mr. T. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.